This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Events in Ukraine are moving so swiftly these days that it's hard to keep up with the latest developments. On Sunday, Crimea voted to secede from Ukraine and rejoin Russia. On Monday, the U.S. and Europe imposed sanctions on several prominent Russians and Ukrainians. And on Tuesday, Russian President Vladimir Putin announced plans to make Crimea part of the Russian Federation. A diplomatic resolution to the protests that began last fall against former Ukrainian President Viktor Yanukovych seems ever more elusive. Against this backdrop, Knowledge at Wharton asked Sofia Opatska, CEO of Lviv Business School in Lviv, Ukraine, for her analysis of what led up to the current crisis and what lies ahead for a country now divided. We're here today with Sofia Opatska, CEO of Lviv Business School in Ukraine. Sophia, yesterday 97% of the voters in Crimea decided they wanted to secede from Ukraine and be annexed by Russia. What do you make of this? Well, um, I don't think that people in the world believe that that was 97%, because if you have uh, elections and the conditions which and pressure, uh, which was happening yesterday in Crimea and which is happening already for two weeks in Crimea, I don't think that this is like real will um, of people and that um, that uh, people in Crimea, uh, even many of those who would think that um, it's going to be better with Russia, that they are aware of all the facts, that they are aware of all the situation and um, that they that they take conscious decision right now. What do you think? Russian President Vladimir Putin Putin has on his agenda. He's going to talk to, I think, both houses of parliament tomorrow. What is he going to tell them? Well, what you know, there might be difference between what he's going to tell and what's on his agenda. So um, I don't know what he's going to tell. But um, speaking about agenda, I think that um, he did not really like what was happening in Ukraine over last months. Um, I think the uh, plan was to have um, some kind of um, um, some kind of unity between a couple of countries like Russia, Kazakhstan, Belarus, and Ukraine economically. But also, I think that was very much about political influence uh, because um, that was something. Uh, related to dictatorship and not real democracy. That was something um, uh, related with um, absence of free media and um, um, of violating human rights. Um, so, so the whole the whole protest which took place in Ukraine that was really against those things, but also against corruption, which I think all of us are aware um, take place not only in Ukraine but take takes place in Russia, um, maybe in a little bit different version, but but it still happens there. Um, so I think he does not really like what happened in Ukraine, and this is um, his opportunity to take care that those processes do not happen in Russia. So what do you think the uh, decision uh, after the referendum will mean for Ukraine going forward? <clears throat> well, I think Ukraine 
in no matter what happens with Crimea, needs to do very important economic reforms and reforms overall, reforms in in uh, um, uh, rule of law, uh, reforms economic, reform administrative reforms. If we, I mean, we were not really doing them for 23 years. And um, one of the reasons why people in Crimea would like to go with Russia because they they did not find economic um, wealth in Ukraine, and they they look for uh, different opportunity. So if if economically Ukraine would be doing differently, I don't think that would be an issue at all. Um, so no matter what happens with Crimea, I think um, it's very difficult. It's very difficult for many people emotionally, you know, keep doing work and focusing on reforms. But this is definitely what we need to do in short term, because window of, of opportunity for Ukraine is very short right now. And we have to take this uh, moment. Well, what do you think that the, the new government in Kiev ought to do in response to Putin's actions? Um, well, it's very important that we do not allow the same things in in other Eastern Oblast uh, regions in Ukraine. Um, there are some tries to um, with with people brought from Russia, you know, waving Russian flags and uh, to destabilize situation. And I think that's very important right now to have the situation stable in the country. Um, we are still, I think we as a country still look for some diplomatic solutions. And in that sense, I think um, I think our new government did a great job, you know, uh, working with other international peers. Um, and yes. Beyond the politics, what are the economic advantages of Ukraine aligning with Europe as opposed to Russia? Uh, well, there were a lot of discussions, you know, what Ukraine will gain with Europe, what Ukraine will lose with Europe. Well, maybe for some um, uh, for some industries, it's not very very well to go with Europe. And um, I think the major issue for Ukrainians is that going with Europe should create a different system of management in the country. It was for us. I think uh, it was uh, one of the main reasons how we can get, uh, how we can become more transparent country, how the rule of law can start working, um, so that people don't have to go to the court and bribe for the for the decision of the court, um, which means that other counterpart knows from the very beginning that if you don't bribe, you don't get the decision. We need to get rid of those issues. And for us, uh, we have a lot of questions towards Europe as well. I mean, it's not that we support the way of life 100 percent. You know, we have some differences in values, and in some sense, we um, we, are, um, we would like to go with some things like we do in Ukraine. But still, uh, the most important is how the system is is run in the country. And, and that was the most important thing. And again, you know, I, I understand that some industries might lose, but I'm sure that those are not knowledge-based industries. Those are most probably last century or last two centuries industries, which we need to, to reform in any way. 
and this can be also a good uh, reason. I know it's going to be tough. I know it's not going to be easy. And in short term, we might lose. But the question is, would you like to win in short term or in long term? So in, in Moscow today, according to press reports, the sanctions that the U.S. government did impose today were met basically with derision and mockery. In fact, the Russian stock market, I think, went up. Mm -hmm. Assuming that everyone, both sides, want a diplomatic resolution, no one's interested in a military one, what types of sanctions could the U.S. and EU impose that would be effective but not drive, drive both sides into, into a deeper disagreement? Uh, well, I think you have posted the question very in in very right way. That assuming two sides would like a diplomatic resolution, well, uh, unfortunately, we don't really see that the other side would like to have this diplomatic resolution. Even moreover, I think that um, there is even more and more pressure. Um, how not to resolve it diplomatically. But if I were to answer the question how this can, how the situation can be influenced, you know, from outside of the world, um, outside of Ukraine world, um, um, I think that has to do something with energy issues. Um, well, Russia is uh, selling oil, selling gas, and definitely it's one of the major uh, sources of income in the country, to the, to the country. So I think if um, there was a way somehow to influence, that would be the way to do it for the energy sector, most probably. What's, what do you think is going to happen to the minorities in Crimea, the, the, the people who did not want to join? rejoin Russia? Well, thank you very much for this question, because un unfortunately, uh, very often this question is not asked about other minorities which are not Russian minority in Crimea. Um, in reality, well, Russian Russians have the majority, uh, about 50 percent of, of the population in Crimea are Russians, but they were not an ethnically settled there. Ethnically were Crimean Tatars. Uh, who make about 20 percent, and uh, they were deported by Stalin. And then 23 years ago, when Ukraine uh, gained independence, um, they, had the, they got the chance to come back to Crimea. There are also Ukrainians there who make also about 20 percent, and then there are about 10 percent of other ethnical groups, Greeks, Armenians, uh, Georgians, so very, very huge mixture. Um, what will happen to them? Neither Tatars nor Ukrainians uh, nor many other minorities who live in Crimea accept the results of the referendum and the whole situation itself. Uh, so unfortunately, we will have very many refugees. Uh, in my opinion, Crimea will become, nothing will be happening there. So it will be, it might be kind of silent war which can last for a very long time like it happens in Pridnistrovia, or it happens in uh, Abkhazia or North Ossetia, um, which means there is kind of no war there, but nothing ha happens. No tourists, no, in no development of infrastructure, just, you know, frozen um, the way it is. Um, so, so most probably a lot of refugees will move to, to Ukraine 
to, to mainland Ukraine, if we can say that way. Uh, I know that Western Ukraine already gets a lot of refugees, uh, especially from Crimean Tatars. Um, there were a lot of pictures already uh, quite uh, from Crimea, which are quite offensive to Crimean Tatars. And um, I think that in reality, one of the major reasons why Ukraine is so uh, focusing on the situation in Crimea and tries to keep Crimea um, with with the whole Ukraine sovereignty is also because not only Ukrainians but uh, Crimean Tatars who don't have other land to live. Could you explain a little bit what the impact of the agitation in Ukraine has been on the Lviv Business School uh, and and how 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 has it affected you and what do you think is going to happen going forward? Of the situation, how it influenced the school? Uh, well, it, well, our university, it, it was always, I, I should talk not only for the school, but for the university, overall Ukrainian Catholic University, we always have been uh, in very pro-Western position in the education as well. So for this reason, we had quite a lot of um, uh, difficulties with former Minister of Education, who was very pro-Russian and uh, who was putting a lot of pressure on our institution. And he uh, was trying to control as much as possible universities. Um, so, In what sort of ways was that control exercised? Well, uh, well, for example, we are, we are a completely private institution and we don't get the penny from the state. But in a way, still we get a lot of um, uh, rules, a lot of uh, um, from Ministry of Education. Uh, they provide accreditation. For example, it's not um, it's not the uh, independent body uh, or association providing accreditation to the universities, but it is Ministry of Education. So you have to go for license there. You have to go for accreditation. You have to um, the books have to be under um, the signature of Ministry of Education. So there are a lot, a lot. There was a lot of controlled things. Uh, plus, there was a huge corruption in the Ministry of Education. For example, all institutions had to put down some. Um, uh, some database system, and they had to buy it from some relative of Minister of Education company. So, so the whole system is is very is very corrupt and very uh, interdependent. And our institution was always honestly saying that we believe that this should be according this international standards. This should be according to these best practices in Western countries. Um, and of course, this was not liked very much. Um, so uh, from the very, very first day for students and for the faculty body, it was not the choice what we should do. Um, I think a lot of things were run by students. A lot of initiatives were run by students. And um, administration and um, faculty members were always supportive. Uh, a lot of people as individuals participated in the protests. Um, well, um, yes, we had somehow to, to, to change the way we are working. You know, sometimes uh, we are doing right now some social things which are not directly related to our work. Uh, but at the same time, I think one of still important roles which we have right now is to build the community. I think the university and the business school itself has very uh, high level of trust from business community and from 
community overall. And it's not only about Lviv, it's about Kyiv as well. Um, it was always very transparent institution. And um, uh, this level of trust, which we have, um, it, it um, you know, we, we, we could see it in, in very different initiatives which we started and how they were supported. And people very often right now, they, they like to come for our events, though the, the, the time is not uh, easy, but they like to come and uh, to see how other people think, what they think, to discuss, to you know, just to be together. What is the outlook for uh, U.S. and European companies who do business in Ukraine or, or want to do business in Ukraine? What what can they look forward to in the next year? Uh, well, last years were quite difficult. We did not really were getting investments in Ukraine. Um, for the same reasons. You cannot plan long term. You cannot, um, uh, you have to deal with uh, a lot of bureaucratic issues. So one of the um, very important reforms which we need to do is deregulate. We need to create environment for innovations, entrepreneurship. And uh, this is one of the first initiatives which our min uh, Ministry of Economics is right now focusing on. Um, also, from our business school, a lot of alum alumni are involved in the regional projects of deregulation, so that business people are telling from business side how this reform should be done in a way that they can run business in a transparent way, but at the same time that it's not controlled completely um, by um, government. Um, in a way, international companies were in better situation because many Ukrainian companies, they, they had additional challenge. Um, they did not have very good environment for doing business, but at the same time, if you were doing business, it could have been taken away. Um, just, you you know, companies were offered amount of money and either you sell for this amount of money, which is half of the price of the company, or you lose it. So there was a lot of pressure on Ukrainian companies as well. So three months ago, could you ever have anticipated <laughs> where you would be and, and how far you would have come? And is the euphoria that you all must have felt several weeks ago, a month ago, is that sustainable? Is that still there? Is there still a sense that things will move forward and get better? If you would ask me in October, is it possible that people in this country, after not fulfilled expectations of Orange Revolution would be able to get out on the streets, I would not believe you. I mean, I, I would say no, definitely no. Everybody were, you know, I would say, had enough of the what is going on in the country, but I don't think people really believed. But what happened is that in 23 years, there was uh, no situation then people were injured or, or killed, you know, so be, there was everything in a peaceful manner done in Ukraine. Um, and and that was a huge shift for many people that th that such things could happen in the country. And um, I, I would never say that it would, you know, it comes, sometimes we think, okay, we cannot, it cannot be more than that. But then there is another month and, and it's more than that. Um, about euphoria, I don't think we had euphoria this time. I mean, we were happy that 
um, we were happy that it's almost ended, though now we see that it did not end. But um, because so many people were lost, because so many people died, and those people were just amongst us, you know, it's, it's, it, was, it was very difficult emotionally. And we still live through this and day after day. And because of that, I think right now we cannot give up. We just cannot give up. We, every time we remember how many people lost their lives and we think, was it worth doing that? So what, we have to be different, you know. Um, I think one thing which every Ukrainian should promise to, to himself or to herself, it cannot be the way how it was four months ago. And I have to do whatever I can do at my place. It's my obligation. It's not obligation or responsibility of the president of the country. It's not responsibility of prime minister or the cabinet of ministers. It's responsibility of every single Ukrainian or citizen of Ukraine to do something to change this country. Otherwise, it was not worth that. Maybe one last thing. Uh, what, based on the experience of the past few months, what lessons in leadership do mm -hmm. you think you have learned that you have, may not have learned before? Mm -hmm. It's very interesting uh, because um, during last three, four months, you know, people, people were always looking for some leader. But maybe because our opposition leaders were a little bit undecisive, <laughs> you know, we saw other way of leadership. Um, we, saw, we saw this um, opportunity and this possibility when every person can take a leading role. So due to that, due to self-organization, so many new interesting initiatives evolved and people were supporting them and uh, people were engaging in different initiatives. And right now it still continues because we uh, again, we realized that it's not anymore a job only of the government. You know, people people take the initiative. Um, just to give you an example, you know, right now we need to have a lot of new faces in in the in the public service, in public administration. We realized that we need a lot of new young people going there and changing the system. So we, as a school, got the request you have to start some programs in public administration, something we have not been thinking about a month ago. And right now, you know, when we say that we would like to start a three-month modular program in one month, you know, it looks a little bit unrealistic, but at the same time, if not us, then who? That it, we just, we have to, to, we have to respond to the need. And I think that's what people learn, learn to do. And that's, also, that's one of the way of leadership. I think another, another understanding of leadership is that um, it's, it's about leadership, but it's, it's about all us as human beings. I think that's something what we really, as Ukrainians, started to realize. I mean, we started to communicate. Before all these events, people were living in their small silos, you know, business people communicating with business people, church with church, NGOs with NGOs, um, you know, according to social statuses, all those um, silos were maybe meeting, but not talking too much. And, and still people were perceived very much by social position or, or their professional position. I think what happened at Maidan, people 
you did not really know who was there. And there were very rich people there, people who are on, 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 on reti retired already, uh, people who have their companies or who don't have their companies, who do different professions. And you did not really care who they are. You were just grateful that they are supporting all of that, that you have same values. And people were talking to each other about important things, um, no matter which social or professional status you have. So we, we, we started to notice each other as human beings, first of all, not, not according to um, regalia which we have. And I think that's, I think that's the major shift in, in our society as a, as a society. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We'll look forward to, to following what happens. Thank you very much. And Thanks a lot. I hope it will go positive way. <laughs> thank you. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.